PFT Media. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 407, part take two of Cinema Crespo. I'm your host, Chris Crespo, in the Crespo studio. This episode brought to you by Streamline Mortgage Solutions. Get your new home loan or refinance your current loan via StreamlineFlorida.com. With me is Trusa Cogburn. What up, dude? How's it going, dude? Another day. You know. I mean. One week away until the time change. That's right. I mean, yes. Y- yes and yes. Yeah, that's Maybe, correct. You can hopefully nothing you can do about it. <laughs> well, I mean, is there, what can we do something about it? I mean, we're voting for a time change of sorts. Ooh. <laughs> ah, I see I'm getting deep there. there. Yeah. There yeah, we uh-huh. go. I got you. Yeah. Uh, we are doing the thing where we review new movies that have come out on streaming services because most theaters are are closed again. Damn it. And movies Still. aren't even coming out. I mean, there's some theaters that are open, but it's just there's. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not braving a worldwide pandemic to go see. Focus, focus in the theater. No, unless <laughs> one of the theaters is empty. When I saw Akira, that theater is practically empty. I mean, that's one so, thing. So but, that, was, that was pretty. But sweet. unless I can guarantee that. Ah, aha. Ah, so we're talking about some movies we saw on streaming, and then we have uh, some. Uh, listener, uh, I don't know if it was email. I don't think we got an email, but we have a comment in the Facebook group, so that's for the second half, plus a whole bunch of questions, not questions, stories. <laughs> we got a bunch of news things. We got a... Not questions, uh, stories. Uh, not <laughs> stories, news things. <laughs> that's news things. More like, uh, flimflammery, a little bit of shimshammery, some shenanigans, and, uh, and just general nonsense to waste Waste your 90 minutes and mine as well. So, uh, here we go. Juicy Cogburn. Chris Crespo. Let's see. What are we going to talk about first? Let's go Pick ahead one. and talk about the Borat subsequent movie film. Delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit of once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Yeah, if I was still writing reviews, <laughs> I'd be so happy that they actually, that the technical title is a subsequent yeah. movie. Like, man, I'd have to write that out the entire, every time. Just called Borat too. Yeah. Amazon Studios yeah. got the rights to put it out. They put it out uh, a little ahead of uh, the election on purpose. We see why mm-hmm. now it's uh, got, has its own little political wall. I mean, it's... So how many people out there watch this movie and are like, how, why has it got to be political? You know, it's Sasha Baron Cohen complaining about him putting out any sort of political slanted comedy. It's gotta mm-hmm. be, there's got to be people out there like that. Right? I mean, I'm sure. It's like the same people who... Uh, Get all mad at uh, like Rage Against the Machine. They're they're all coming out. You know they've come out recently uh, in the media, mm-hmm. like Tom Rell and all that, mm-hmm. speaking out about the current shit. Well, and then all these dude bros are like, 
since when, why do they have to get all political? The name of their band is Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> they, they thought that meant like their parents. I mean, yeah, that too. That thought like, yeah, fuck but you, I won't do what you tell me. They thought they were talking about their mom. Yeah, no, they were, t- they were talking about the government. <laughs> and then they're like, what? Like, those are the same people who are like, like yeah, yeah, why dude. is this gotta be, yeah. be about pop? Why can't it just be uh, dick jokes? Nope. Or whatever. Were there any dick jokes? There are, I mean... There's genital-based humor. I mean, there's genital-based humor. There, there, There is genital-based humor. Not so much dick joke. I mean, he did get to wear the mankini again. And he was strapped to one of those weird things. They the, brought back the mankini. Uh, in the industry, they call that the callback. So mm-hmm. yeah. That is a comedy callback, a foundation of all comedy. Um, I was surprised, in a way, that it was as, like... The, the pre-written stuff oh, like to the, get between the, 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 the plot of I was the about movie. To say, it was, there, there was an actual plot in the movie. Yeah, not just uh, I'm going to film a bunch of skits and putting them loosely together, yeah. which the, the first Borat more felt under that. Even Bruno felt yeah. more like that kind of style. And this was like, no, we have a couple of characters and we're going to stage scenes. No. and uh, It was pretty good. It was. No, I was, it was I pretty mean, good. For... N- not knowing that I wanted another Borat movie. Right. Which has been happening a lot recently. Didn't think it was like, even coming. That like, was on my radar. Not wanted. Wh- why is this movie happening? Why? You know, a lot. Of, I've been asking myself a lot of those questions these, yeah. this why, year. Why is there a bill inside three? Yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Exactly. Yeah. Things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know I wanted it. Mm-hmm. But now that it's here and I watched it, I'm glad I got it. I'm like, all right, this is good. So. I think that helps. I, think. I, I mean, is it going to change anybody's mind? No. Politically? No. No. Preaching to the choir, not shit. whatsoever. Not even, not even independents and middle no. of the road weirdos mm-hmm. who are still like, I don't know, maybe a third debate will help me decide who, who I should vote for. Um, no, it's not going to change any minds. It's uh, preaching to the choir. It's entertainment for most of the masses. Yeah, for about sixty to seventy percent so. of the masses, I would say so. I hope so. I do. Wish I could have seen it in a movie theater uh, with, only, a, with a bunch of people. Well, yes. Comedies tend to uh, be better yeah. in groups of people because, I mean, you might think something's funny. You might not actually laugh out loud mm. unless dude over there and dude over there and dude behind you yeah. and the people up front. You're like, oh, that's hilarious. And you mm. might actually laugh out loud as well. Laughter is a contagious thing. Exactly. Laughter is contagious. Well, yawning is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, STDs are contagious. STDs are contagious. Uh, COVID, COVID the coronavirus is contagious. Is contagious. Coronavirus is contagious. <laughs> what else is contagious? Um, good vibes. They can't as be. far as I can tell from uh, dating profiles, I think, because it's a... <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> a lot of people are like, good vibes only. And no only? One, no one has been like, so what? Yeah, I'll take a mixture of good vibes and bad vibes. <laughs> so, 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 so what? As, as soon as there's a single bad vibe, boom, it's over? Out of here. Get them bad vi- be gone bad vibes uh yeah i'm just like who's the person who's swiping like good vibes only oh damn it i'm all bad vibes <laughs> swipe left swipe left <laughs> she's not gonna like me um yes laughter is contagious and i mean seeing the first borat in a crowded theater was a great experience i, I remember pretty well that i remember that i remember seeing the f- for some reason drew i have memories of the first jackass in the theater because that was like a ucf Screening where they packed the Waterford Lakes Auditorium for free, well with free tickets for, for uh, college kids. UCF yeah. students. 
And then I was like, I was like, what, four or five, six kid, people that I knew were students? Yeah. And so we were all just dying laughing the whole time. For some reason, I remember that. I remember seeing Jackass 3. Uh, 3D. 3D. Yeah. I remember seeing those movies yeah. in theaters. I can't remember seeing Jackass 2. I know I did. I know I, I did. Don't, I don't necessarily remember seeing any of those movies in theaters, even though I know I did. I have, like, like memories have, of, of being in... I have very few actual, like, movie memories. Oh, I have, I have a whole bunch of those things. It's weird. Um, so it would have been nice. Would have been nice Agreed. to see this in a, in a nice big packed theater where we all could have enjoyed it together. But uh, at home, it still worked. It yeah. still worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And again, that... that plot that they came up with the story the story of him and uh his daughter, his daughter. that he didn't know that he had mm-hmm. uh who wants to be a journalist herself going to america and but a woman can't be a journalist chris no <laughs> no and even at the end she had to do it with the dad yeah a support system for her very nice of him to help break that barrier for a woman it was fun I think it's, I think it's worth checking out for sure oh, definitely 100 people like the borat it is a definitely a comedy of the times yeah, it's updated well. It's like still what you liked about it, but then updated for 2020 without feeling forced. Uh, probably just because he's a pretty smart guy. It's yeah, he is. This Sasha Baron, whatever his name is, he's a, he's a smart feller. Agreed. Netflix. Rebecca, did you see that? Yes, I did. Watch it this morning. All right. Ben Wheatley's Rebecca. It, sort of. I mean, it's like... I think simultaneously an adaptation of the Hitchcock movie from 1940, but also just a, you know, it's it's be a little more truer to the novel, that type of thing, with some of the details. Mm-hmm. But I think the Hitchcock version is pretty close to the novel anyway. So I'm, the only way, I mean, so anyway, it's it's kind of the same story. So, what do you think? I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. It was fine. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. No, it was fine. I thought it was it's good. Just, it's just not my type good, of movie. Good. It's just above the fine scale. It's just not my type of movie. Gothic romance. No. Ben Wheatley I mean, it's fu- does a little bit of psychological thriller I mean, the, the psych- moodiness. The psychological thriller, that, that's what kept me watching yes. the movie. Yeah. Like, the big set pieces and the romance and the, oh, this and the giant house. Like, I don't give a fuck about any of that bullshit. I did enjoy <laughs> the production design. Oh, no, house. it was fucking beautiful. And apparently, it is right this today, the... Uh, so the house is Mandalay. Welcome to Mandalay. And um, I think it's a found location. A lot of that, that house is real and, mm-hmm. and the rooms were as they were. I'm sure. But the the titular character, Rebecca, her room, that that was all completely designed. They, they, oh, they put sure. that together. Well, yeah. I mean, but once you get inside the house, anything is suspect. Yeah, <laughs> if you can't see a window to the outside, that room might not even be real. That's true. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's a gorgeous movie with gorgeous actors, uh, you know, in great uh, period-appropriate clothing. And cool scenery, cool cars. Oh, it's in Monte Carlo, 1930s Monte Carlo. I mean, come on. It's it's at least nice to look at. Yeah. Uh, and then... It's delightfully classist. It is. <laughs> which, uh, I'm like, yes, that's why Wheatley would do this. That's why Hitchcock did it. That's why Wheatley would do this. It's such a British thing. To be all about classism yeah. and uh, the, the working girl. I thought you were a housemaid, <laughs> a lady's companion, actually. Um, which, when it starts, like all the reveals start happening with like thirty minutes left in the movie. How'd you feel? Like, were you 
did it, did it pick it up? Did that pick the movie up for you in a way? I mean, when yeah. finally the reveals of who Rebecca was and the, the relationship, how it all went down, and blah blah blah, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's uh, Ben Whitley's Law and Order. Yes, for like, <laughs> for like the last thirty minutes, it's yeah. it's uh, Agatha Christie thing. It, it becomes something different, but that's just the no- structure of the novel. Yeah. Uh, it, did that like? Because then it does become a different thing. Were you into it more at that, that point, or were you at that point just waiting for it? All right, let's get well, it. Well, I mean, I, I guess I was into it more. Yeah. yeah. Because you do have to... There's a lot of setup of who these characters were yeah. and the, and uh-huh. the iciness of some mm-hmm. of it. And here's what I feel is weird about it. The Maybe it's just a sign of the times written in 35, 38. The novel comes out in 38. Movies, 1940. This is not an update in terms of time period. It's still the same time period. Is it just that men didn't expect it not to speak? <laughs> like, it was fine that she was just constantly like, just tell me what's wrong. And he's just like, mm. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just like, nope. nope. <laughs> and like, just, yes, I, I, just, I, just speak. I, I think that was a sign of the times. Of the times, right? And, yeah. But then it makes the whole drama work. Is that Well, it's the only just, reason why the drama works. The characters don't, <laughs> just don't open up to each other. Like, this, I mean, yeah, no, this dude, is the truth of the relationship. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, yeah, you. It's hard to update the movie without changing the story. Because, yeah. like, as soon as the police get 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 involved, it's like, oh no, he's going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because this is the year twenty fucking twenty. Yeah. yeah well, especially now, it's like, well, yeah. some, someone's got to go. The the police don't show up, and no one goes to jail. So. That, that's the way it works now. It is. Uh, it's interesting how it is very much because I had just seen Rebecca recently, uh, the Hitchcock one. It's interesting how similar they are in many regards. Uh, this one does. It has that one moment that was, felt like it was out of the fountain or annihilation, uh, with like involving like uh, greens, like flowers. Oh yeah, yeah. When she had her nightmare. Like, ah, yeah, because it's a nightmare. Yeah. So he throws in a few nightmare yeah. scenes. Well, I guess actually, the framing, the, the narrative framing device of the movie is that uh, she has dreams about Manjuli, and then she walks through the dream. So I guess technically the whole movie is sort of a dream sequence, which makes it a dream sequence. And so we're like. <laughs> pretty unimaginative dreamer that's I mean, all I'm saying I'm pretty straightforward <laughs> well that's the inception theory of dreaming that the, your dream has to be normal or or else you'll become had, aware of the fact that you're dreaming then I you wake know. up I've had some really weird dreams that I still remember but do you did you realize you were, there were dreams in them or after the fact that you woke up that's a great question ah, that was so long ago and I, point of I have that beautiful all black coma sleep these days so oh, there we go I've been having these. No one cares about what dreams are. <laughs> I get recurring dreams of, or I'm either walking around a giant hotel or a cruise ship, some type of giant dorm situation. Yeah. But it's like, is it the same one every time? No, no. okay, not the same one. Because I've had recurring dreams in where, the same place. That's interesting. Where, where, like, when I was in college, I used to have recurring dreams about house parties, mm-hmm. and it was always in the dream house. Like the, the house never changed, so I knew the different parts of the house oh, that shit. never changed. But the, par- the party and what was going on always changed. But the house never did. That's weird. No, my the location always changes, but they're they're similar, but they're different, and it's a mixture of a. Now, recently, the turns a cruise ship, cruise ship, hotel, and uh, shopping mall. Lots of glass um, elevators, huge escalators, like a bunch of them in all sorts of directions, and it, and it's so boringly, so boringly. It's just me <laughs> going around, and the place is always crowded. It's me going around like. 
it's like I gotta go to this room, then I go to the room, and then like I gotta go to this room. It's like purposeless. And that's the dream. Like I have a purpose to go somewhere, and then I get there, and it's like now nah, I gotta go somewhere else. And yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's so boring. In the moment, it's fine, I guess. I don't know. Life is strange. <laughs> that's when you're getting that cerebral brainwash. You know yeah. about that? Oh, the yeah. Deep sleep. Mm-hmm. When you get in the black, yeah, it fixes all. Make sure you get the cerebral brainwash, guys. That's uh, that's very healthy for you, for uh, for longevity. Uh, medulla oblongata permanence, etc., etc. I've been doing, some, I've been doing some readings. I would recommend this movie to. You'd have to have a certain like be like you have to be into uh, relationship dramas, you know, you, you, or even into like the classics. You know that stuff too. Yeah, there is a, obviously a hint of like if you're into no. Alfred Hitchcock, like you'll probably yeah. like this. I mean, there's even uh, I'm not, not sure. sure if it's written because I've only never read the book, never watched the original. Sure, but uh, there's even that kind of Hitchcock homage where the uh, the police inspector mm-hmm. is going downstairs, and all of a sudden it's just a big fat man shadow. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That is the uh, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. the intro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Um. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. It's funny now that you say it like that. When the book came out and they made the movie, it was all contemporary, yeah. and it's set in the '30s when it was made. So it's all contemporary at that time. Now you do it, and now it's all throwbacky. This shit is uh, 80 years ago. Uh, you do it the exact same way, but just with digital cameras and in color. Mm-hmm. Now it's 80 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you're into like. If you if you know about the Hitchcock Rebecca and you want to see a, a modern take a quote modern of uh, contemporary telling of it, it it's worth it. If you're into a gothic romance, sort of the thing like Guillermo del Toro does, but he adds monsters. Mm-hmm. This is you no know, so Ben Wheatley yeah. leans into the uh, the uneasiness of the relationship. So there's like. Uh, like for a minute, like a dog is just like barking like at a wall. You know, like <laughs> is there a ghost? What's going on here? You know, and then it has a logical explanation. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, again, there was there was a little bit of puppy child back there. But you never know because the the you always get the feeling that the movie might go there. Yeah, that, that is, for a long time it does. It's like either someone's a murderer or there's a ghost or both. <laughs> for a long time, you got that feeling, and that was kind of apparent in the first one. But Wheatley hits that a lot harder. Obviously, I mean, the guy made fucking. Uh, kill list. He's not gonna <laughs> give you like a- the age of innocence. <laughs> um. So I thought it was. I thought it was good. Drew just thinks it's fine. One eye. One eye on the fine. You said. Yeah, it's you, fine. you said fine pretty quick. Yeah, it wasn't fine. It's fine. Yeah. There's no qualifications there. It's just fine. Yeah, it's fine. I thought it was good. I liked it. Um. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. Two hours. Rebecca Ben Wheatley now just signing on. Big news this week. Uh. I'll pluck this out of the news segment. Second half and pop it right down here in the first half. The Meg 2. What? <laughs> Isn't that a weird one? Great. Now I got to see The Meg 2. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sucks, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. It's the, it's, I mean, I watched The Meg on HBO. It's it was, bad. It's boring. It is, yeah. No, that, that's what surprised me most of how boring it, it was. It's just so boring and not fun. So weirdly not fun. Yeah. Jason Statham fights a mega shark. This should have been amazing. Oh, I'm going to fight that shark. Come here, you shark. Fuck yeah. What was that, Jason? Uh, I'm, I'm a deep water rescuer who hates rescuing people underwater. That was his I'm whole gonna, character I'm, trait. I want to see you that put on weird character. bicycle cleats and fucking yes. whoop that shark's ass on an oil slick. <laughs> I'm going to kick this shark in the face. All right? And then I'm going to have tea. 
Um, yeah, that's weird. It's going to be PG-13, which is going to be a bummer, but it could still be. It's going to be better. It's got to be. The first one is directed by John Turtletop, who did like the National Treasure movies. And, uh, like, real middle-of-the-road shit is what he what he's always done. Well, yeah, but at least... Like, family stuff? At least the uh, National Treasure series have Nick Cage yes. being Nick Cage. Yes, thank God at least they have Nick Cage. He's like, oh, and, it's and the Constitution. John, and, and John Voight being old. <laughs> yeah. Are you... Can you read... I can read them over. Okay. okay. Uh, but going from Turtle Top to Wheatley, it's wild. That's, I mean... Hey... So, some it's like it's like somebody thought it was a good idea, and apparently he was like, you know what, fuck yeah. And he's like, yeah I'll do it too. <laughs> Adam Sandler was like, I'm doing Billy Madison too, but we got a David Cronenberg to sign on. So okay, or, or Brandon Cronenberg. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I want to see that movie. <laughs> Doesn't that sound good now? Yeah, it does. Not, now you're in. Now you're in. Yeah, the Meg not just not good. Just not good. Meg two it has a chance at least. Off, off to a strong start. Signing on that Ben that Ben Wheatgrass. Um, let's get into our media diets. We finished, uh, well, I finally finished Lovecraft Country. Well, I guess we both finished at the no, same we did. time. Because yeah. I, I, I skipped last week, so we're uh-huh. watching them together. Yes. And they'll be a pretty good idea. Uh-huh. Uh, we released on Patreon.com our, uh, our half hour or so, 35, 40 minute ramble on, talking about our favorite parts of the second half, all the crazy episodes. But, uh, real quick, Drew, you, you satisfied with... Yes. Lovecraft Country season 100%, 100% satisfied. Okay. I mean, in all reality, the I think the only episode that didn't satisfy me mm-hmm. was the Indiana Jones ripoff. That was from, the, from episode four? Episode three or four, yeah. yeah. Sure. That was the only one... I thought that was the weakest episode, but it was still... It was still fine. But the only... The only reason why I thought the episode was weak was because all the other episodes were so much better. The first three are, like, strong. The sundowning ones yeah. and the pioneering episodes are so. strong episodes. And the fourth one is fun, but it's like, oh, this, it's not, a, not and then, as and, good. But right after that, it picks, Although it did have it a good ending. right back up to fucking bonkers bullshit. It, so. it, it ramps up to some wildness, for yeah. sure. It's fucking Lovecraft Country, man. It's good. <laughs> it's good. I'm going to read it uh, for sure. Uh, Matt Ruff is the author. I want to read it. It came out in 2016, I think. And he has other stuff as well. On the on the, the, the ever-growing list of things to read. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I think they did a really good job with that show. Um, speaking of books, I... It's more of a novella. It's very short. I mean, look how, look how short this thing is, Drew. I read it in two sittings and I mean, yeah. about an hour. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a novella. Yeah. 108 pages. The Strange Bird by Jeff Vandermeer, the guy who, speaking of Annihilation, wrote the Southern Reach trilogy, which is Annihilation, and then two other books that are centered on that area X thing. And then he wrote um, Born, is the book that I people may remember we talked about earlier this year. The the ruined city and the, the giant flying bear that flies over yeah. the city and mm-hmm. like as it's as it's God sort mm-hmm. of. Um, this, The Strange Bird, is like a, it's almost like the few, a bunch of chapters from the book that got cut out, and, and it's just its own book, its own story. It exists, it's like a side quill, it exists at the same time, even, uh, uses, gets, touches on some of the same characters, and answers a few questions in an interesting way, but it's its own satisfying little story, and it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and again, it's a really quick read. Like I, I paused 
Down and Dirty Pictures, just so I could pick this up, read it, and then I'll go back to Down and Dirty Pictures, uh, go back to read that one. But I really, I thought it was good. The Strange Bird by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, definitely recommend uh, reading him. I'm going to pick up, um, I think the short book too, Annihilation. I think it's pretty short. I think it's, it's structure is like a, kind of a diary structure. Okay. And then the other two books um, pick up where it leaves off. So might as there well, you go. Yeah. might as well check them out. This, it, the cool thing about them is that it's sci-fi, but it feels pretty original. Either that, or I just don't know the references he's ripping off. Yeah. Uh, so it's not all just the same thing that we're getting over mm-hmm. and over. Uh, which I mean, I like a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it 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 feels less repetitive and less um, redundant than other than other stuff we're getting. So anyway. Jeff Vandermeer. Good stuff. The Strange Bird. What do you got, Drew? Uh, Give it to me. Give it to me. Watch The Vow, Episode 9. Yes. Here's The Vow. It's good. 45, 50 minute episodes, right? Yeah. The last episode's tonight. Got to figure out how to get this into my sketch. So, yeah, like I said, the last episode's tonight, so it'll be... It's time to binge it. Yep, exactly. You'll have plenty of time. Without a without worry of being like, no, I gotta wait a yeah. week. And I mean, the, the story's just so fucking weird and yeah. strange. And that they... And they documented so well. So, so, <laughs> so wild. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, watched David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. Oh, shit. And is this on Netflix? Yes. It's, uh, it's from the uh, Our Planet series, mm-hmm. and it's basically just David Attenborough being like, I'm 93 years old. This is the life I've lived, and this is the destruction that I've seen of our planet in oh, wow. 93 years. Wow. But we can do something about it. <laughs> we can, we can and fix then, it. And, and then he actually gives some like decent ideas on how to fix the problem. Oh, okay, cool. So it's not just like, things are bad, mm-hmm. we're all fucked. It's mm-hmm. like, things are bad, we're all fucked, mm-hmm. but we don't have to be. And is it a, so it's a feature-length documentary? Yeah. And how long is it? An hour and a half? Uh, you recall? Blah, 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 blah. I wrote it down, I always do. One hour, 23 minutes. Okay. Yeah, good length. But yeah. It, it, but it's just like all the, you know, BBC. If, yeah. if you like David Attenborough, th- this is just... It's the same crew, all those people. This is just uh, a Dave, him narrating mm-hmm. a movie about himself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get so, anyone to narrate it, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're in Britain, it's Attenborough, America, Morgan Freeman. That's the way it works. Yeah, it's just it, the way Attenborough's it is. fantastic. Yeah. That's so, it. Okay. But yeah, totally worth watching. David Attenborough... A life on all planets yep. on, on, on Netflix. On Netflix. Netflix UK. Shout outs to all listeners in Essex and South Wolverhampton. Big ups. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Drew's staring at me like, all right, finish. Uh, finish, well, you idiot. I watched, uh, <laughs> as I was falling asleep over the last week, I ended up watching two different AMC series. Okay. Uh, one called The Making of the Mob, Colin, Chicago. The making of the mob, Chicago. Okay, yeah. so it's basically about the Chicago mob and how they came up and eventually, you know, the rise and fall. But it it was uh, it's an AMC show from 2016, so it was done pretty well. And what's the um, if it's Chicago, what time period are we talking about? Fifties, forties, sixties? Yeah, 60s? Well, no, prohibition. Because thirties. Because that, that's what started everything. Okay. So. Uh, okay. Uh, or you series? Yes. How many of episodes? Sorts. Uh, eight episodes, forty-five minutes each. So eight episodes telling the story of a uh, mafia crime scene in Chicago. Yes. In Chicago specifically. Mm-hmm. Did you have any for sausages when I was old? No, not really. No. No. You want to get any uh, uh, big slams of meat? No. No. I kind of wanted a pinstripe suit though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, those those suits were pretty cool. Uh, also. Uh, 
from the same time period, 2016, made by AMC as well. Same type of thing called The American West. Okay. And it's eight 45-minute episodes. And what? Uh, it, it basically went over the, you know, a nice... Frontier. Exactly. From, from the frontier, the rise of the outlaw, mm-hmm. blah this, blah that, mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did find out, though, mm-hmm. that was very interesting, mm-hmm. uh, John Wayne was a young production assistant on film sets back in the day when Wyatt Earp was consulting. And that's where he got all the inspiration and the mannerisms for fucking John Wayne. Uh, there you go. He just ripped off Wyatt Earp when he actually met the guy. Mm-hmm. Well, as I recall from the movie Tombstone, uh, uh, John Wayne wept at Wyatt Earp's funeral. That was that's the last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. John Wayne wept. And, yeah, and then that has to be like, you'd be like... Oh wow! Yeah, yeah so John, John tough guy like John Wayne. Cried John Wayne was a young man who met him, met Wyatt Earp when he was old. That's cool. So That's, uh, th- that was fun. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fun when you're like when you tell someone like, "Oh yeah, Pablo Picasso. He was alive in like the 70s. Like, yeah, what? He, no, he was. Thought, <laughs> yeah, it's I crazy. Thought, I thought he was from like the 1600s. Yeah, it's like, nope. Uh, I mean, he's, he might fuck. He yeah. might be alive right now. It's like, right, <laughs> my, my great grandfather uh, hung out with uh, Einstein. Like what? They, the, those t- those timelines yes. overlap? Yes, yes they do. These aren't just names in a no. book. No, they're not. They're, they're actual people. Wider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shoot out the OK Corral. You could still go to Tombstone. No. You could still go to the OK Corral. No. Like, here, violence happened. And then you take pictures. And then, wow, and, then you, and then you hear a couple gunshots and hear the police and violence just happened over there too. Yeah, right, oh. <laughs> Times I've been tough here in Tombstone lately. <laughs> I, I don't get so many tourists, so you know, I always low income neighborhood, uh, life of crime, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Just give me your wallets now. <laughs> call it a day. Call it a day. Uh, then you can feel free to take as many pictures as you want on the way out. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking Crespo Tombstone tours. <laughs> also watched. Uh, Not a bad idea. I'm going to open up a tomb. Oh! That time means it's the end of the episode. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for <laughs> joining us. Episode 407 of Christmas. Uh, okay, so, okay. also. So, uh, yeah, Western yeah, stuff. Tombstone. Yeah, yeah I'm going to open up the Tombstone tour. Continuing on the uh, documentaries. Uh, watched. So there's this, like, three and a half hour documentary on Amazon Prime okay. that I came to find was just two documentaries smashed together. Those bastards. So it was. It, it was uh, it's a lie. I feel like they lied. It was a two hour documentary and then a following uh, a one and a half hour documentary. Okay. Uh, they looked like they were both from television because they were both in full screen. Okay. Uh, and one of them was very poorly made. That would be the second one, which is why I only watched five minutes of it. So I'm going to review the first half. All right. So only only concern yourselves with the first half, guys. Uh, the only one that matters. Uh, it's called Native Lands, Their Story. Okay. Uh, and the, the first half was basically a two-hour documentary about Hawaii and okay. how it came to be. Oh, wow. From uh, an island nation, mm-hmm. a sovereign island nation, to getting completely screwed over by a bunch of American white people mm. who basically overthrew the government and turned Hawaii into a state uh, against all the native Hawaiians' wishes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's a bummer. Uh-huh. The sugar plantations, the banana plantations. Specifically, yeah. uh... uh Pineapple King, Mr. Dole, he was he, he was the grandson of missionaries who came over there mm-hmm. and ended up completely fucking over the entire, I guess you would call country at the time. Yeah, sure. Uh, so anyone enjoying any sort of Dole product now know that uh, you're, you're he was enjoying an awful, the, awful person. the fruits of genocidal labor. Yes. 100%. Conquest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and this only happened like 100 years ago. 
<laughs> Wyatt Earp was alive. Yeah, exactly. All right. Pablo Picasso <laughs> just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> Hawaii went from sovereign nation to territory to state over a matter of like five or ten years. Yeah, America's good at that. It sucks. The, um, Bonkers. Had no idea any of that it stuff. It didn't. So as you we were watching, there was no. You couldn't tell where it was made. Well, I mean. Like, uh, well, there were plenty of shots. I mean, 90s TV. I mean, it was definitely... The, the Learning Channel, TLC? Maybe. It was definitely... I mean, it might have even been, like, something that they showed to, uh, like, little Hawaiian kids in school. Like, mm. the, the true history of Hawaii. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So... Uh, like, school, yeah. That's a good one. That's what it seems like. But he liked it, though. But yeah, no, like, it, it, was, it, it was... Well, the only reason why... Interesting because, and well-made enough. The only reason... Why, and because I was completely... I had... I knew nothing of the subject right. whatsoever. Right. I know. I, I know Hawaii. It's a place. <laughs> I mean, how often do you think about Hawaii? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know. I think. Of, so to find out that it's just one one, one of, of many Selleck. one of many groups of conquered brown people that America just you know ran its fucking spear through. Yeah. And now it's a tourist. Well, it was a tourist destination. Now it's a, <laughs> they're just like keep your COVID to yourself out there, America. Mainland America. What do they call them? Guaylos? What do they call... It's something else. I think that's in Japan. <laughs> I, think I think that's a Japanese slur for, for white white round eyes. <laughs> also watched... It's funny. They say round eyes, but Drew goes there. He ain't very round eyes. No, 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 no. Smoking all that weed. Mm-hmm. Chinese, time. Japanese, dirty knees. Look at these. Whoa. What about the French underwear? Mm-hmm. Where does that fit in somewhere? <laughs> no. Uh, am, I, am I thinking of a different... I think you are. Okay. Uh, watch some stand-up comedy. All right, let's hear it. Uh, I watched three... No, I want the comedy. Just recreate the comedy right now. Not going to happen. Okay. Uh, I, I watched three Sebastian Maniscalco specials. Uh, the, the, so, who? Uh, they're from 2012, 2016, and 2019. Sebastian Maniscalco? It's, it's basically... Uh, s- it, take anybody... Take a any single character out of The Sopranos okay. and turn them into a stand-up comedian. And that's what you got. So I went in there and I went uh-huh. to the Gabagool yep, and the yep. was mm. like, hey, you fat enough already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, he's that's he, joke he's a joke. very Jersey Italian guy and yeah. it's very Jersey Italian comedy. From Jersey, hey, same like, shit, different toilet. Know what I'm saying? Like, like, like watch a couple seasons of The Sopranos and then a Sebastian Manicalco special and then a couple more seasons of The Sopranos to get, you know, so... You can level your ups and downs. <laughs> uh, was it good? Is it, it is, funny? Or was it just whatever? It's not really my type of comedy. What kind of com- is it? Observational? Yes. Is, yeah. It's very well, observational. And, well, and the, the, the stores these days. And the problem with that is the farther you, like, technology and everything moves so fast yeah. that, like, um, like, he's telling jokes about. Uh, about his flip phone? Well, no. Uh, like, a, about uh, grocery stores and the. Uh, the auto lanes where you just go and scan everything. Have you seen this now? Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. And I'm like, dude, we are ten years past that. This is not funny anymore. Yeah, like yeah, there's stores now that don't even have cashiers in them anymore, yeah. dude. And you're like, can you believe it? What do I go scan yeah. them also? What, what's the Q code mm-hmm. for uh, Gabagoo? I said Gabagoo again yeah. earlier. So, it's just it's so funny that so, it's it's Capricorn, but then they sort of the Gabagoo, and it sounds like you're talking to a baby. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. So It, it was, was so delicious, too. It was what it was. I got some of the prosciutto. I got some of the gabagool. I got the peppers, the hot and the cold. I got the oil, the vinegar, salt and the pepper. 
Chris, you're not Italian. Don't talk like that. Nah, I'm not that. that <laughs> but man, if, but the people who I grew up with thought it was just because they were incurious and didn't bother to ask. Hey, worked out for you. And also, my mom wouldn't let me buy the the long white shirt that mm-hmm. had the spray, the airbrushed uh, chupacabra with the backwards hat standing in front of a Puerto Rican flag. But you wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Fucking goat sucker. And she was like, No, you're not gonna be one of those kids. It's like mom. She knew it was best. <clears throat> also watched uh stand up special of twenty eighteen, Adam Sandler, one hundred percent fresh. That's the um from his tour that he did that includes that Chris Farley song that made mm-hmm. everyone cry. Yeah. I, I thought I heard that it was uh, that got a great word of mouth yeah. when it came out a couple yeah. years ago. It was so I I for I'd spent it's been so long since I'd listened to Adam Sandler comedy, right? And I just watched his movies, and his movies have definitely waned over time on me. Absolutely. So I was really skeptical about watching the special at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's been on my list forever. Mm-hmm. I just had I was like, man, I'm not, I don't think it's gonna be good. And I watched it; it was surprisingly good. Yeah, it was. It was just a newer and less raunchy version of his old stuff. Still, same, similar. A lot of voices, skits, characters. A lot of like voices, that. skits, characters, silly songs. But he, you know, it's not fuck this and fuck that and holy shit just for the sake of it. So. Sure, he got a little, he got smarter with his comedy. Exactly, and so did we as audiences. Yeah, that's the way it works. So it's good. All right, totally um, worth watching. How long is that? Is that an hour? One hour ten minutes. It's over an hour. Oh wow, an hour ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Add another ten minutes. It could be out in theaters, Adam. He's got that Netflix deal. Yeah, I know exactly. that's why it came out on Netflix. We'll talk a little bit more actually about Adam Sandler and his Netflix movies in the second half of the show. Uh, Teaser. I also caught up on Fargo. Oh, there you go. I am now, uh, I think, one or two eps behind. The last episode I saw was uh, you're gonna bring a you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Well, it was his brother. He's talking about his brother, and I no. think he's just taking shots at him. And his brother, no, yeah, Gaetano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other day, I saw a van, a work van on the back. It was like Gaetano Plumbing. I was like Gaetano. <laughs> maybe it's him maybe he's in it maybe he's wide. got those fucking crazy eyes yeah this wide eyed <laughs> psycho <laughs> put him back on the boat get him out of here this guy's insane um, are you enjoying it? yeah I was you got fucking evil nurses and evil nurse who was that chick from uh, the Charlie Coffin movie yep. I, lo- I-, I love Dr. Senator Esquire he's fantastic he is awesome Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Senator is awesome I'm a big fan of him yeah, yeah but it's, uh, it's, it, it's all good it's going some crazy places yeah uh, I mean, I've watched five episodes, so I'm, I'm probably a little bit ahead I of you. I think you're now. at least one episode ahead of me. No. Like, so I don't want to spoil At anything. least one episode ahead of me. But yeah, once uh, episode four hits, things start to get crazy. It, is four the one? Which is four the one when uh, Gaetano takes out the hit on the on the kid and Ben Wishaw Q James Brown's Q won't do it. Is that four? I think, or is that the one before? I think it might be the one before. And then then, then four is the one where they confront well, him on the street and he cuts him at the end. Bet, the one that got me episode three was when fucking Sheriff Bullock shows up. Yeah. <laughs> when, he, when he talks to Gaetano, when th- this is how I knew parts of the show were working for me. When he takes the cop or the cop, like he gets himself to tag along to the cop going to see the Italian op, the Fadas. Yeah. 
So he's just sitting in the car and he sees this guy Tano walk around and decides to step out and go talk to him. I was like, yes, <laughs> this is going to be fun. These are two interesting yeah. characters that are not going to get along and it's going to be great. And it yeah. is. That was a great yeah. scene when he was the, like the Mormon lawman. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me tell you about the Italians that tried to move into my Mormon town. I'm like, well, this guy's fucked up. Yeah. It's bonkers. So if for anything right now, this show will have me, uh, I'm watching for his character yeah 100 percent. yeah i just went crazy more crazy sheriff bullock <laughs> yeah now he's gonna comedic fuck. sheriff Bu- sheriff bullock <laughs> yeah yeah so he's perfect for this world yeah it the, works the type of i like it character he normally is uh it works good oh he's like playing the same guy but he's just smiling now mm-hmm. and then last but certainly not least i watched hosted by one of your favorites eric andre heck yeah Run the Jewels, Holy Kalamavo. Oh, yeah, that was the live, the midnight performance they did, right? So, basically, all, all they did was they did they just played the new album front to back yeah, as they would if they were on tour. Yeah, they performed it. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and that was it. That's awesome. It, it was really good. Is a, It's got to be available on, on... It's on... I watched it on HBO Max because it, okay. it, it originally played on Adult Swim, and yes. Adult Swim has the deal with HBO Max. Yes, it, it was like live, I think, um, at midnight. It was a midnight showing. I knew I was going to make a no, midnight. No, I, I knew I wouldn't make a midnight show either, man, but... Man, last night I was in bed by like 10.30. I got like 10 hours sleep. Chris, there, I, know, I think there's something I wrong normally, with me. I normally like lay down and start to get comfortable on the couch at about 9, 9.30. By 10.30, I am asleep Either in my bed or on the couch. Nice. Well, that's just that's just healthy living. Yeah. When they say early to bed, early to rise, I think that's kind of what they consider early to bed. Early I'm, enough. Yeah, I mean, I early I, enough for me. Wake up at five o'clock in the morning. So oh, that is definitely early to rise. You're out there plucking up them worms before they can go back underground. I could if I wanted to. You don't. <laughs> Why are you up so early? You're trying to get them worms, man. My body tells me. My body says, "Drew, wake up at five. I say, "Okay." You're like, and then I can't fall back asleep, so... We have to check that out. Run the Jewels. It's a short album, too. Like, only 30 minutes or so. so. No, it's like 45. 45. And mm. was it just the album straight through? That's yep, it? Yep, just the album straight through. Oh, there are... One of the songs, they do a little different because, you know, it's on stage, so they can get some dramatic effect by, you know, like, dropping out the music and just having Mike rapping the lyrics, and Ooh, it's yeah, very... Sure, sure, It yeah. can be... It's very powerful. What they do with the uh, Zach De La Roca bit? So everybody, no, all the people. Did we do it on Zoom? Almost. Basically, he was he like all the people who were on the album that couldn't make it. Like Mm. uh, like Josh Shalome did some uh, guitar work on it. Okay. Uh, Like you said, Zach Delarocho is on one of the songs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two Chains is on one of the songs. Mm -hmm. They were just on screens. Basically, okay. in the background, okay. but it but it but it looked like it was like but, recorded, especially for this. Yeah, so it worked okay enough. Yeah, it was fine. I'll right, check that out. That's yeah. good stuff. It was good. All right. So last, but certainly not least, certainly not least. And like I said, it was hosted by Eric Andre. Yeah, so, that, so, he, so did he do it naked? So after well, no, after after every so it starts ends and in between some of the songs, Eric Andre is doing a uh, a fake telethon. <laughs> so okay. you can just imagine. Good stuff. Isn't he doing? Is there a new season of the show out now? Did they just put a new season. Mm-hmm. With these questions, we will take a break and come back and not answer them in the second half of the show. Like I said, Facebook group question to answer. We have uh, news stories, TV stories, movie stories, stuff like that, as well as a. 
returning 2020 recurring segment. You know what I'm talking about, Drew? I don't think so. All right. That's the way I like it. Memory of a goldfish. What? <laughs> I forgot. Uh, so we'll take a break. Here's a commercial about Streamline Mortgage Solutions, and we will be back with the second half of the show. Hey, gang. If you live in Florida and you are looking to buy a new home or you want to refinance your loan, you have to hit up Streamline Mortgage Solutions. Streamline has been in business for 15 years and you can do everything with them online at StreamlineFlorida.com or over the phone with one of their experienced team members at 407-898-4477. And here's how they do it. You need a new loan? Want to refinance your current loan? Contact them. They'll tell you what they need. They'll take all that information and they will go shop out and find the best deal for you. They'll come back with options and you get to choose what you want to do. It's so simple to work with Streamline Mortgage Solutions. We even have a testimonial from Simone in Castleberry. She worked with Brian Zymel, the owner of Streamline. She said, refinancing your mortgage is not on the list of things you want to spend a ton of time on. Streamline makes it fast and easy. They explained everything, answered all my questions, and gave me a list of documents to get to them. Once submitted, they kept me updated weekly until my closing. My friends are all getting refis and said it took three months and they were constantly being asked for more paperwork, not me. I was asked for everything up front and the team moved fast. I closed in less than a month. I would 100% recommend Streamline to everyone looking for a mortgage or a refi. You can't beat that kind of testimonial, guys. Use Streamline Mortgage Solutions today for your new loan or to refinance your current loan. Let them know you heard about Streamline at Cinema Crespediso. And we are back. We are back. Let's put Drew on the tack of reading emails. Don't okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I just felt like I was gonna do a little bit of a parody of a parody within the parody. I mean, because I was specifically doing the the Simpsons one. I mean, you asked me to read the Facebook comments, so. Oh yeah, that's right. So we have a Facebook group, <laughs> so is the Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, you should get off of Facebook. It's bad. But if you're not going to listen to us, you're going to stay on it and join our Facebook group. And we have a common question thread that you can use. And we'll read your comments and questions on the show just like this. Uh, Josh Josh Brutal Jewel gets at us. What up, Josh? Is there another Rush Hour coming? They reboot the series a few years ago with the TV show. You know, they're always trying to do something with Rush Hour. <coughs> it was hugely, hugely popular and successful. Especially the first two made a lot of money. Kind of credited with... More than anything else, popularizing Jackie Chan in America. Again. That first Rush Hour movie. Yeah. Um, it would work as a TV show. They should do it as a TV show. Why not? It's a cop show with Kung Fu. That'd be a great idea. It's just, it's just you have to have that right blend of action and comedy. Which is hard to do, which they did pretty well with the first movie. Second one was okay. I honestly can't recall if I've seen the third one. I may have. Was there a third one? Yes, there was. Ooh, I have not seen that. Aha! It's a full-on trilogy. Yeah, I don't know. I can't honestly say. I may have, and I just blocked that out of my memory. <clears throat> but, uh... Yeah, is there going to be... If there, if anything, at this point, they'll just have to do a reboot. And they're going to have to. Jackie Chan's an old man. Yeah, he's an old man. Chris Tucker is no longer relevant. 
Yeah, he decided to he acted a lot less. I think he had a a crisis of faith type of thing where he became a little more Christian, man of God mm-hmm. sort of thing and decided the roles he was taking, the work he was doing wasn't lining up with uh, what he believed in, I believe. I think that was the case there. Um, anyway, so well, we'll see. More rush hours. Why not? Just give me something Kung Fu Cop tangential. We're good enough, right? I mean, what? 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 Start writing, Chris. Reboot Law Kung and Fu Order. Cop. Kung Fu Cop. I want Kung Fu Cop. I want Law and Order. Colon Kung Fu Cop. Someone pitch that to Dick Wolf. Oh, Law, whoa, Law and Order Kung Fu Cop. Man, that's going to be... In the first half, use the Kung Fu to help do the law. But in the second half, Eastern philosophy for, for the, the order. order. Mm. See how it goes. I don't know. Dick Wolf's an uh, old white man. He might not go for it. <coughs> Goddamn... Damn Dick Wolf. Um, you can email the show, cinemacrespediso at gmail.com. And usually we remember to read those emails. I almost completely missed these. Uh, we have an email from Ron for the raise, not for the Lovecraft Country episode that we did, but I forgot to. <laughs> Good job, Chris. I know. So Fantastic. We're, so we're going to have to do like a whole special episode just for Ron's email. You can get here that at patreon.com slash crespediso. Uh, where we don't always do everything correctly the first time. We'll get there eventually. We get eventually. We may, you know. Oh boy, guys, it's a, it's like a. Have you ever seen a a, a giant fish just uh, dying as it struggles on the beach, mm-hmm. <laughs> just flopping there, just flopping, trying to <laughs> trying to breathe, open contracting, and, yeah. and uh, but it can't because and, it's air, not and water. then people stand around just watch it in a morbid curiosity. You, that, you feel like that sometimes, Chris. Yeah, it just describes the show. <laughs> we got an email from our boy Gabe. Gabe is our boy. Uh, it's a Borat two review. Okay, nice. Overall, it fits in well with the Borat universe. Mm-hmm. A little bit more cinematic in execution, as some of the bits don't stretch out as long as the first movie, mm-hmm. but it still has great laugh-out-loud moments. I think the first, I think the first is more cringy, but it still, but this still works. Ambitious and head-scratching how these people choose to participate. Check out Who Is America if you haven't. That has the space to really expose people more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bits are shorter in mm-hmm. Borat 2. That is something that I did yeah. notice. That's a good observation. In the first one, there were more bits, and they really allowed them to play out. This one felt like, get in, get out, yep. moving on to the next get thing, done. get it done, get her done. And it was only an hour 20-something. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was kind of short. It was pretty short. So, uh, yeah, it does fit in well in the, in the Borat, the Borativerse. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Makes me want to go back and watch. The um, first one? Actually, even further, go back to the to the Ollie, Ollie G, G show, show stuff, yeah. yeah. Watch all those original skits. Yeah. Gabe gets at us again. Another email from Gabe. What? You're not allowed to do that. Gabe says, yes, I can. What up, show? Aha, uh-huh. send another email. He's an old Jewish man. <laughs> so in the spirit, you'll get it, of getting in the holiday mood, I've been watching some movie reviews on YouTube, and it got me to a hot take. Okay. The Others is better than The Sixth Sense. Oh, all right. Interesting. Timely. Timely take. In general. Because they're doing a new uh, remake in it. In general, I'm not a fan of horror movies and don't even seek them out, although I am a fan of roller coaster rides. I remember watching both movies on the back end of their hype. It seems Sixth Sense crossed over to the cultural zeitgeist. Yes. But I was never super impressed with it. Huge Huge fan of Shyamalan, but this was not the movie that put him on my radar. 
I think Osment was amazing, and I remember the most disturbing moment to be the school hanging scene. But mm-hmm. comparing Twist, I think the others was a better package, setup, and delivery. I enjoyed the strangeness of the scenes in the others more because the movie made me really empathize with this mother trying to protect her kids. Mm-hmm. Although I thought the ending of Sixth Sense was clever and great, I thought most of the movie was boring with some intermittent horrified moments. What say you? What's more reachable? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the Sixth Sense does hinge more on the reveal. Well, the, all, prestige. the movie's all about the reveal. Yeah, the prestige of it were. Yes. Yeah, and and the others is a more cohesive, thought out from beginning to end. I also believe the others is an adaptation Hmm. of a novel. I don't think I've ever seen the others. Nicole Kidman. No. Two thousand six. I'm not. I'm not a horror guy. There's no reason for me. Well, you know, like Gabe points out too. It's it is maybe the type of thing where it. It's good for people who aren't necessarily into horror as well because it, it's not a lot of those dumb tropes. It is just a well-told story of a mother uh, and her kids and you know something's off and then by the end you're like, oh, a ghost the whole time. That's why they're very similar. They got a similar thing going on. And uh, I did see that they're doing a, they're rebooting it. They're, they're bringing it back. So it does have a following. I think it's a book. I think it's a book. I'm not going to bother looking that up right now because my hands are full of uh, my ego and I don't want to crush it in front of you because that would be devastating for our listeners to ever hear that I get something wrong. I'm sure that, you know, that'd be very foreign to them. So you can email cinemacrespies.gmail.com and like I said, if I remember to forward them to Drew or if I notice emails on time, we will read them on the show. Ron, I apologize, man. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna set it straight on the Patreon. Blame I Chris. swear it's going to happen. You're a good guy, Ron. <laughs> um, let me double check the emails. Yes, okay, good, good stuff. All right, like I said earlier, teasing it, bringing it back to the recurring new 2020 segment. Oh, Chris reads things from Entertainment Weekly. So you don't have to specifically, Chris reads EW Magazine. So you don't have to. It's the uh, the Oscar race begins issue. Drewster Cogburn. <laughs> There's an Oscar race is, this year. Is that something? They did push the Oscars back to April, from February to April. Like, like that's gonna help. And they relaxed the rules a few months ago to make it essentially so that just for this year, movies that were gonna come out theatrically, but then end up come out in streaming. Uh, or have even much more limited theatrical releases will be eligible. So, yes, there are um, a handful of smaller movies that are now getting more awards attention than they would normally. Interesting. Because, uh, in a weird way, the, loving, the, the playing field has been leveled. People aren't now spending millions upon millions of dollars to campaign their, their Oscar movies. No. Now these smaller movies are getting through. It'll be weird, like, like anything else from 2020. It's going to be a strange time. Mm-hmm. So here we go. But here are the three things, really, that uh, are the most interesting. So in going over um, possible awards, contenders, potentials, etc., they talk to the cast of Let Them All Talk. And this is a new Steven Soderbergh film that will be on HBO Max, starring Meryl Streep. She will play an award-winning author who invites two of her oldest friends, played by Candace Bergen and Diane Wiest, and uh, her nephew will come along, Lucas Hedges, on a 
uh, ocean liner cruise, the Queen Mary on the Queen Mary 2. Here's what they did, Drew. This is why I pulled this, why I thought it was interesting. They have a little Zoom conversation between Bergen, Streep, and Wiest. And they reveal the uh, how they shot this movie. Mm-hmm. All right, first off, they booked a trip on the Queen Mary 2. Okay. Okay. Um, he made the movie in two weeks. Diane Weiss says, and with no equipment, Stephen just held the camera in a wheelchair and just rolled along. Wow. Um, Candace Bergen says, and no script. Streep, they would give us the outlines of a situation, and then we knew where we had to end up, but they didn't tell us how to get there. Weiss, it was terrifying. So they curbed your own enthusiasm. A bunch of old ladies. A bunch of old ladies on a boat. Playing old friends on a boat. Um... Ask what was it like to shoot a movie while on an actual cruise, Bergen? There wasn't a lot of time to sit around and schmooze. I don't think we ever went to dinner together because we worked till 10. Then I would order room service and go to sleep. Streep, we'd get up in the morning, put on our costume, which was ready to our clothes, and then start shooting. When I ate breakfast with Lucas in the morning, that's me eating breakfast with Lucas in the morning, I guess, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's a mix of that. Uh, Weast. We had to dress up every night because on the Queen Mary, if you go into the main room, you had to be formal with the St. Noah uh, Royal Caribbean cruise, yeah. I see. <laughs> um, it was wonderful. You never saw such a good-looking director and crew. Ha. Bergen, we would be in the bar drinking, and Soderbergh would be hunched over his iPad editing the day's footage. The guy never sleeps. So they booked themselves on a... Formal ass rich cruise and uh, played the part for two weeks. And for two weeks, while Steven Soderbergh shot everything on a digital camera and edited it on his iPad. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's a pretty sweet deal. Uh, so I looked at, had that to look forward to. It's called "Let Them All Talk," coming out on HBO Max. What we'll be talking about when it comes to Oscars and awards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who knows? Moving on now. They have a bit here where they talk to Kenneth Branagh mm. about him making. Um, Death on the Nile, his second Agatha Christie adaptation. Kenneth Branagh's, Kenneth Branagh's Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile? Kenneth Branagh's Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 59 when, years old, but Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get the, the, the... You got to put his name in front of it. You got to get the titling right. Just the way it works. It's a, the, it's Kenneth Branagh's Thor. It says, it's not Thor. It's Kenneth Branagh's Thor. It's Disney's Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh's. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's Disney's Thor. Um... My focus here actually is on a little sidebar about Agatha Christie and her success. This is interesting. So she's put out 66 crime novels, uh, which includes, you know, Murder on Word Express, and then there are none. And then the, also featuring this uh, Hercule Poirot character, her, her version of uh, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, essentially. Also, she has another character, Miss um, Marple, who Kenneth Branagh wants to do a... Uh, Agatha Christie verse mashup movie Perot Marple finally together on the big screen people are clamoring for it Drew 80 year old ladies are clamoring <laughs> for this to finally happen um, 66 crime novels according to they talked to James Pritchard who is the CEO of the late author's estate okay he says of the 66 novels there is not a single title that doesn't sell well, even 100 years later. So they yeah. all sell. All six years selling. Uh, 300 screen adaptations have been made. 30 of them are feature films. Uh, yeah, sounds about right. There are 100,000 yearly visitors 
to her estate, holiday estate, not even her normal home, just her holiday home, uh, Greenway in uh, Brixham, UK. Something like that. Okay. So she's famous and British. And, and dead. And two million copies of her books have been published. So, yeah, sounds about right. She moved two million copies in 2019 alone. Only uh, outsold by the collective works of William Shakespeare and... No? Uh-oh. Best-selling book in the world? Nope. Oh, the Bibble. Das Bibble. Das Bibble. Das Bibble. So there you go. Athena Christie. Still popular in 2020. Good for her. Good for that old British lady. Good for her, that old British lady. Finally, Drew. They add these in here. Oh, what to watch. Just a little calendar. Makes it a little easier for you to know what's coming out on TV. A whole bunch of shit. A whole real bu- soon. A whole bunch of shit real soon. So just I pulled a couple things. Here we go. Uh, November 16 is season two, His Dark Materials. Okay. Uh, you already skipped over October 30th. Well, I'm talking about November now. What's happening on October 30th? Mandalorian season two. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, come, on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Like, that's, yeah. People don't know that one's not coming out. Everyone's always talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be talking about that soon. Um, yeah, I did skip over that because we're talking here how on November 20th. When, that's so just before Thanksgiving uh, on Hulu, the reboot premiere of Animaniacs. Ah, uh, yeah. They, I think uh, on Hulu, at least, also here in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. they're finally putting out season four of Rick and Morty oh, okay. on Hulu. So I finally get to watch it. Nice. There you go. And on FX, apparently they're doing a mini series on a... Uh, based on the movie Black Narcissus, which is uh, about some nuns in a, in a convent who it's sort of like a psychosexual drama type of thing, ends okay. with a suicide. Okay, sexy nuns. Spoiler alert: sexy nuns ends with suicide. That's all you need to know. Sexy suicidal nuns coming to FX uh, at the end of the month. So, guys, that is this latest issue of EW. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was worried that I was running out of television to watch, but with Mandalorian starting yeah. and His Dark Material starting again, yeah. at least there's something. There's still something that you know of that's, that's yeah. coming. Then who knows once and all of a sudden bro- yeah. it's like a punch. Exactly. It's like, oh, by the way, uh, we made this and didn't tell anybody. Yeah, it's like, oh, have you seen this thing from two years ago? Flee back. <laughs> what the hell was this? How'd you do this? Who did this? Who's who? Who's to blame for this? I think there's a new season of The Expanse coming out soon, yes, too. I, I think so. Is it a, a new season? Yeah. Because one came out on Amazon, what, last year, I think? Or was it earlier this year? It was Time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it could have been It could have been this year. It could have been pre-COVID. It could have been 40 years ago. I have no yeah. idea when that shit came out, but there was a new season that I still haven't watched. I'm, I'm behind on The Expanse. I'm behind on a lot of stuff. Uh, but I'm looking forward to so many new things. For example, um, Adam Sandler talking about that Netflix deal he's got going on. He's got a, a new project that, while not along the lines of a, of a P.T. Anderson or a Safdie Brothers, he is working on a movie here that does have higher aspirations than his typical, um, let me hang out with my friends and make a dumb comedy type of movie, mm-hmm. right? So uh, he's got a film that he's working on right now called The Hustle. Actually, it's just called Hustle. The Hustle is Anne Hathaway's movie. Uh, he's I, I, I thought that was the J-Lo movie. Hustlers. Oh, my mistake. There we go. I was like, wait a second. I didn't think hard about that one. The uh, He plays a washed-up basketball scout who discovers an incredible street basketball player in China. 
uh, Jordan Newman, the cast, Queen Latifah, Robert Duvall, Ben Foster. That's weird. I love me some Ben Foster. He's, he's interesting. He, make, he, make, he makes weird, like... Weird, what? weird choices. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, all the movies that I've seen, at least trailers of him in recently, have been very much smaller movies. Mm. Under the radar, things that, like, don't get released. Always little dramas yeah. and things like that. His biggest thing lately is it was, like, Hell or High Water. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was like, yeah, Ben Foster, 310 mm. to Yuma, come mm. the yes. fuck on. Yes, yes, yes. Three Days a Night, right? He got the director, Jeremiah Zagar, Zagar who is a kind of a independent film dude who people have been liking. And the company that they're working with is uh, LeBron James's production company. Nice. So he, he's involved in it, so there you go. Putting some of that money of his to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we go. That's part of his Netflix deal. John Wick. We're getting into theme park news. John Wick. You ready for this? Yes, I am. He's getting his own roller coaster. Okay. So you ready to book a trip? To? Dubai! Fuck no. <laughs> Motion Gate theme park. F-U-C-K to the no. It's actually Lions Gates. It's a Lions Gate theme park. I'm sure it is. That's weird. Lions Gates Motion Gate theme park in Dubai. The new attraction, John Wick, colon, open contract. I mean, I'm... Will be a roller coaster ride. I don't know what kind of crazy bullshit they're doing over in Dubai to make that city sprout out of the fucking desert. Who knows? Whatever strange magic they're using. Strange money magic and slave labor. I guess that could maybe more than likely. All I know is that they're fucking police ride around in Lamborghinis. Uh, yeah. Because they have to. That's pretty sweet, though. But also because they can afford to. Yeah, because we, we have them. We, we, we're, we're all washed in Lambos. It's an indoor roller coaster. It will be built inside a 10-story tall replica of the Continental Hotel. And part of the queue is you're walking around the Continental. The yeah. Continental. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> Line in the lobby. Variety also reports that the movie Now You See Me will also get its own themed roller coaster okay, called I, High Roller. That is just weird. Yeah. It'll put you in the middle of a casino high speed performed by the film's four horsemen. Oh. That sounds bad. That sounds bad. I mean, if you're going to make a a casino heist roller coaster, at least have the class and go oceans. Right. (laughs) Lionsgate doesn't own oceans. I know. We have Now You See Me. It's like, of course you do. Of course you do. Uh. I'm sticking with theme park news from Chicago. Mm. We're really Ah. scraping the bottom of the barrel of entertainment, aren't we? (coughs) No, I, I love theme park news. I find this shit fascinating. Because we're now going to Universal Studios. Beijing. Okay. After our quick stopover in Dubai. Yeah. Um, that's where they revealed a, a video. Or they they unleashed a release a video where they're going to uh, debut their new park, the Universal Studios Park, which is sort of like a mix of Islands of Adventure and that epic universe thing that they announced that they were going to open up over here. Oh, yeah. So it's seven themed lands within one theme park. Um, Kung Fu Panda Land of Awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Transformers Metro Base. Mm-hmm. Minion Land. Mm-hmm. Was in World of Harry Potter. That's, mm-hmm. that's like, duh. Jurassic World Isla Nublar. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the last two are Hollywood. Mm. Boring. And Waterworld. 
All right. Now, Waterworld. I want to see the Waterworld action show. Yes. <laughs> Going backwards, Waterworld, I'm sure they did it just because they built it entirely around the Waterworld stunt show spectacular, which uh, in the video they show off little bits of it, uh, oh, the I'm, concept I'm sure. video. I mean, I've seen awful stunt show spectaculars, but you're telling me Universal Beijing Waterworld? That's yeah. going to cost so much money. It's going to look so awesome. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow it's Kevin Costner. They pay, yeah, they pay, or a, a hologram. Hologram Costner. <clears throat> um, the Hollywood section is like, you know how they have the old Hollywood where they have the I Love Lucy exhibit and all that. Just can, that, that expanded into a park. Um, Jurassic World, Isla Nublar, We'll have a roller coaster. I'm trying to recall the video. A roller coaster, and they'll probably have the same type of uh, that water. The, the animat- well, and the animatronics, too. Like, they have over yes. Universal here. Yes. Probably even better ones. Um, Wizard World of Harry Potter is Hogwarts. The Hogwarts Castle, specifically. Minion Land uh, is exactly what you would expect. It to be yeah. just like that super popular ride, but yeah. expanded uh, mm-hmm. much, much bigger. Transformers, Metro Base is going to have a couple rides, I think. One of them, it's called, I'm pretty sure the name of that ride is Battle for the Allspark or whatever at the theme parks that we mm-hmm. have here. So they're doing that along with new Transformers rides. Um, oh, this was a thing. At the Jurassic World, they have a, the schematic that they show, the animatronic, the animation they show is people walking around in a, um atrium. Like an aviary, and then there's like pterodactyls mm-hmm. fly, flying above them. So are those? Well, probably on wires. Are they on wires? Like, are they physical things on wires? Is it a projection? Like, how are they going to no. pull that off? But that's one of the things that they're showing off. Uh, where is it that they have the that Avengers Park? I think it's in California where they have the Spider-Man that they're like flinging across an animatronic. I think I showed you that video a while ago, where some company worked out they built. Uh, just a life-size Spider-Man that they can hit different poses in the air, yeah. and they just literally slingshot it from one side of a like the open the gate where you walk in. It goes from one side to the other, and he does like a crazy pose in the air, and it's just a fucking. It's, um, a, it's a dummy. It's a dummy. Yeah, but it looks a so, posable dummy. It looks so real. It looks yeah. so cool. It's like, and there's Spider-Man again yeah. as as he lands into a net a couple hundred yards behind yes, the building exactly. that, you, that you can't that see. You can't see <laughs> exactly. Um. Kung Fu Panda so popular in China that it gets its own theme park. Good for them. Yeah, I'm and sh- I'm sure that gives Jack Black a lot of money. I hope it does. I hope it really does. And then it's uh, cool how it's um, for people seeing the movie. There's those huge steps. It's like my old enemy stairs. Has that whole bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the huge steps that leads up to the temple. Like it looks like it's the that little town is where the their land is okay. and all cool. that, which is pretty cool. Um, place looks cool, man. I want to go. But it's in China. I was about to say, do you really want to go to China? I don't want to go to China for nothing. I mean, at one point in time, I thought, you know, China would be a cool place to visit. But then, you know, you learn about politics and it's like, oh. There's a lot going on over there <laughs> that we don't really need to get into right now. But we do need to get into the Zack Snyder, uh, uh, Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, the four-hour oh, extravaganza. How it's ballooning into like a whole other movie all over again it turns into a whole added, mess with added characters and yep. weird bullshit yes <laughs> it, it went from a 30 million dollar we need to finish the effects to 70 million dollars we need to shoot new stuff to to uh, well, well now i think they're just kind of freaking out over <laughs> it's like shit when is this gonna end um 
And now apparently the Joker is going to be in it. Yeah. Jared Leto apparently shooting uh, to to bring his care his Joker into the DC EU this Elseworlds and why 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 do we need? How's this going to work? Do we need it? Do we care? No. I feel like they're getting to a point where now <clears throat> I mean he's supposed to be in a mor- screw in their own pooch. He's supposed to be in a Morbius movie that what what the fuck ever happened to that? That's happening. Mm. It's been marketed and everything. That's uh, Sony. Yeah, but how are we so, going to see so, it? Sony is one of the that's, studios. That's my question. They've declared that until there is a market to release their movies, they're not going to okay. release them. Gotcha. Anything that they it's like cost them like two hundred million bucks. Like we're not just gonna unless. Well, okay. Are we gonna jump? Can we jump to that? I can bring it up now. Apparently, MGM considered selling. Like they shopped around. No time to die to streaming services. We mentioned last week that some movies that they're getting sold to streaming services I mean, for the, like a hundred, hundred twenty-five million. What was the price tag on that motherfucker? Six hundred million dollars. Sounds about right. That is a ton of money, and even free spending Netflix and Amazon, they they, they could not pony that up. Six hundred million is too much. Um, MGM. It's reported that this is a variety. They reportedly lost thirty to fifty million dollars due to the delays so yeah, far sure. on top of what they already spent on it. Well, yeah, because they have to remarket it all over. Guys, re- remember that this movie's coming out. Yeah, like we still have it. We still have it. Um, part of the the money that they spend would have to go to. Um, Universal, because they have foreign distribution distribution rights, so any money they spent on marketing and getting they have that to be money, recapped, mm-hmm, you know. they have to they have to be made whole, as they like to say in legalese. And then there's the the Broccoli's Eon Pictures, who they also own the rights. How how much of a say do they have yeah. in what gets sold to who and where, and how much money they make out of it? It is a real clusterfuck. Plus, this article, those variety article points out, Drusic Cogburn. Land Rover, Omega Watches, Heineken, they have big stakes well, yeah. as marketing partners. I was about to say, I'm sure they paid a fuck ton of money for their things to be in the movie. When your movie costs $250 million to make, like this one costs, yeah, you, you get these giant people, these giant companies to help you out. And then when you turn around, like, all right, now we're selling the streaming, Heineken's like, what the fuck? Where's all my commercials? Where's my marketing? Where's yeah. where's my big push? Exactly. Where's yeah. my billion dollars of you know eyeballs? Yeah. In the age of COVID, buddy, that makes it tougher. Sorry, um, uh, global pandemic. My bad. When Paramount sold Coming to America to Amazon for 125 million, they had to get McDonald's and Crown Royal on board to do it. Well, yeah, because yeah, because they were because they had yeah. deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but also, I think Paramount was like, but we got it. We got but guys, <laughs> guys, I like mean, you don't understand. It's gonna get worse. Yeah, guys, the cuts, the first cuts are coming in. We have to sell this now <laughs> before word gets out. That's a turd. That's gonna be a big old turd. So, yeah, that's a little side story there. That that news broke pretty recently, actually. I think yesterday, overnight, that type of thing. Um, but now we're bringing it back, back, back to. Let's talk about some Batman because we were talking Joker. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Batman, the. Someone took a picture on set of, uh, I think, the police badges that they're using, and it has the year or whatever. So now we know the time period. You want to take a guess based on the marketing? It's Batman Year Two. I mean, so like, what year do you think this movie is taking place in? I mean, uh, late seventies. 
it does have that feel, right? Because it, it feels like they're cribbing Fincher, who himself cribs Alan Pacula, who's a 70s director. It all feels like the game, right? Mm-hmm. 2019. Oh, <laughs> even that's very, fine. Very contemporary. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. But it does, it, your, the 70s feels so accurate, though. Mm-hmm. It feels very accurate. Well, just because like, all the pictures I've been seeing of the sets, mm-hmm. like... They're definitely it's all brown and wood. Well, no, and... yeah, and and it's uh, it's not fluorescent lamps, street lamps. It's fucking halogen bulbs. That's true. Too. So yeah. they're going it, for the orange the sodium, sodium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, another little reveal that they're doing that came out uh, from a Colin Farrell interview. The the shooting of the movie. He says they had a little bump in the road a few weeks ago that you may or may not have read about, but they are back shooting now. I start up again. After a seven-month break on Monday, and I shoot until February on and off. So that's four yeah. months of shooting. Yeah. That's a long fucking shoot. Steven Soderbergh just made a movie with those three ladies in two weeks. Well, I mean, I'm sure... Well, like, he's, he did say on and off, so maybe yes. it has to do with his scheduling. Like, listen, COVID, yes. seven-month break. Well, I still have to... Te- technically, by... We have all these other things. That I still have to do this. Mm-hmm. So but, I'll, I'll, but, be, I'll be here for two weeks. I'll be there for three. I'll come back here for five. All these all these shoots now that have been delayed and trying to get back up contractually. How do you no. work that out? Oh, what a, what a I nightmare. Even, I don't even want to know. Holy guacamole. That it's seriously, it just it gives me anxiety thinking about it. <laughs> As it should. Scheduling anxiety. I don't need it. All right. This is a good story. This is one to make us all feel better. Yakelin Hall re teaming up with Denis Villeneuve for an HBO limited series. Cool. This is uh let me see here. It's called <coughs> The Sun. Um Joe Nesbo, Norwegian writer, uh did um he wrote Headhunters. Okay. Right? Great, yeah. great movie. That fucking wacky movie. He also wrote uh, The Snowman. So, nah, that was a good movie. <laughs> Although they're also on record saying, like, we didn't shoot like 20% of the script. So, you guys. But anyway, I don't even it's think. Fine. I don't think they were going to fix it. Um, so, it's a Joe Nesbo thriller um, where, let's see here, if we have a plot synopsis, a tale of. Oh. Adds, a tale of a vengeance set amid Oslo's brutal hierarchy of corruption. That just sounds like any Joe Nespo yeah. thing. All right, here we go. Amazon. Sonny Loftus is a strangely charismatic and complacent young man. He's been in prison for a dozen years, nearly half his life. The inmates who seek out his uncanny abilities to soothe leave his cell feeling absolved. They don't know or care that Sonny has a serious heroin habit or how he gets his uninterrupted supply of the drug or that he's serving time for other people's crimes. Oh. It goes on for several more paragraphs, which I'm not going to read here. Um, so, Denis Villeneuve and Jake Gyllenhaal worked previously on Prisoners and Enemy. And in an interview recently, Gyllenhaal was like, I'm working with Villeneuve on something. Can't say what it is, blah, blah, blah. But now we know what it is. It's an HBO Max limited series. It is not Dune. It is not Dune. No, he is not a secret character in Dune. But, well... Actually, we don't know that. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, he'll pull a stormtrooper bit, you know, and just be dude in mask. Or maybe, yes, or maybe <laughs> it'll turn out, oh, yeah, uh, they'll tell us after the fact. We used them for um, uh, smaug-like motion effects mm-hmm. for the sandworm. Or uh, he, w- he was the guy in the mask. Yes, that's more like, <laughs> like the, oh, the guy in the mask? Yeah, you remember that guy in the mask? Yeah. And, the, and then they show you the clip, he's in the background. And, oh, man. Oh, no, no, I, I was talking more about... Uh, 
what uh, Ridley Scott in uh, the uh, oh Kingdom of Heaven, yeah, Kingdom but of at Heaven. least we could hear his voice throughout the movie. I was like, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like Edward Norton. That's weird. He's in half the movie. We don't even see his face yeah. once. <laughs> and then it's not even in the credits. No, it's so weird. That's so weird. Exactly. You know, uh, one of those type of things. Here we Who go. Knows? This is uh, maybe he'll be the sandworm. That's what, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> he's like Smaug, like he's a sandworm. So when you see the sandworm, it's like that was him in the set going. <laughs> like we are, we don't, we're, you don't need to do the, the sounds, Jake. <laughs> no, I do, I do. <laughs> it's part of my process, Vinny. I think you know that by now. This guy's always making the sounds. Um, here we go. A recent study has breaking breaking down. We are breaking down Jessica Cogburn. This is according to. Um, bingo sites. Okay. They found the actors have spent the most time shirtless mm. in movies. And the, the winner. Top, top 10 shirtless actors in Hollywood. All right. Let's go. Uh, you want to take a guess? Any ideas who uh, would be? And these are all contemporary people. I can't. I don't even uh, know. Zach Efron. Okay. Come in number 10. All right. And this is all done in seconds. 694 seconds. And then going upwards from Afrin, we got DiCaprio, Colin Farrell, Charlie Hunnam, Christian Bale, number five, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. This time in 300, he'll do that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> Number four, aforementioned Jake Gyllenhaal. Number three, Matthew McConaughey. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, A thousand mm-hmm. shirtless seconds. And 1,100 shirtless seconds. Number two, Hey, all right. I did it, Sylvester Stallone. Look at this. I'm a weird old guy. Look at my body. I got these tattoos. You know, I got the tattoos to hide like scars, like weird scars he has on his body. So he's like a six year old man with uh, crazy back tats and stuff. Yeah, and they're all fresh and new. Yeah, it's like like bright blue. Yeah, it's like, dude, when did you get that? I got it last week. I got this one last week. This one's a skull. I got this one. Here's another skull. This one, I got a couple of ravens sitting on a skull. This one is. uh, This one has a knife in his mouth. It's a skull, right? It's a skull. (laughs) Number one at. 1,278 seconds. That's about uh, 20 minutes worth of shirtless screen time. We already talked about him a little bit in a roundabout way. 007 himself, Daniel Craig. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, which is that all? There was that one scene in Casino Royale where he's like nude and being tortured. No. That must have, that was like a five, six minute scene right there. So I probably did, did a big chunk of his shirtlessness. Perhaps. But yes, there we go. Daniel Craig is your shirtless king of Hollywood. Okay. Sorry, I mean, I sorry think, Dwayne Johnson. I could think of worse people to be the shirtless king of Hollywood. All right, yeah. Like what it was like Louis Anderson. <laughs> uh, Zach Galifianakis. Like, what is this? This is our life. We're only watching comics. I mean, if Burt Kreischer was in more movies, he would have the, he, he, oh, he, Jesus, he would be the yeah. champion. Yeah, if you count his comedy <laughs> specials, this guy. Put a shirt on, please. Like, he comes on stage immediately, shirt it's so hot up there under those lights, Drew. You don't understand how don't. hot it You're is. Right. I know. You, you don't understand A being fat and being under the lights. <laughs> B, right. both nope. those things combined. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. It's a nightmare. Um, hot lights, big city. Moving on to the next story. Daniel Kaluuya is producing a live-action Barney movie. Okay. Yes, he is of the age where he grew up watching Barney. He is 32 is, years old. Now, is this going to be a movie about the guy who played Barney? No, nothing... 
like weirdly meta like that, where okay. it's about the nope, it's like a Barney okay. movie. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. I just didn't know. What- I love you. You love me. We're going we're on a, a journey. Thought, thought it was we're a happy family, <laughs> but it's the movie version, so just, you have to expand the scope of the song to I just match the. Used to made. I just used to make fun of that. Oh, I heard one. Yeah, yeah, sure. We were, were of the age where we would make fun of it because mm-hmm. we were older, cynical yeah. jerks. Yeah. And then you know you do know what the guy who the guy who played Barney does now, right? He uh, do not know. No, I don't. He know. He is a tantric sex guru. Oh, good for him. You know, when you do that much sweating in that suit, <laughs> it's like you got to figure out a way to to harness that that long lasting energy, that 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 stamina, that endurance. All oh, tantric sex. All right, here we go. Right, this works for me. Speaking of tantric sex, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I just uh, okay. No, Mike. No, <laughs> no. You don't remember what I see where I had sex with my with my lady friend for twenty hours with my Shayla, Paul Hogan. Uh, who apparently I don't know. I don't think we should be liking Paul Hogan. I don't think Paul Hogan's supposed to be a likable guy. No, that, I mean anyway. Crocodile Dundee, kind of likable. Yeah, he was fine. A little homophobic, but, but it's fine. Well, it's, it was times. It was in the eighties. It was times. Yes, it was fine. He uh, is coming back for the very excellent Mister Dundee, a meta comedy in which he will play a version of himself, a semi-fictional version of himself. And uh, he is brought out of retirement in the wake of a knighthood offer by the Queen of England. But he gets caught up in a series of increasingly ludicrous scandals. So he has to stage a comeback to salvage his reputation. Okay. Uh, The film will include Chevy Chase, John Cleese, and Olivia Newton-John. God damn it. So old, old, and older. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be in this movie about this old guy trying to come back. And uh, I expect there to be scenes where he's, like, uh, politically incorrect. But he's like, hey, why? So now I'm canceled? Oh, I'm canceled. But I guess they canceled me. Oh, I guess we're going to cancel Christmas, too. I might. And Santa Claus is over there like, oh, I might. And they'll never cancel me, bro. Hang 10. And he shoots or something. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know this was a Christmas special. Surfing Aboriginal Santa. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be Aboriginal. Skinny, skinny. So skinny. With a with a pillow like uh, strapped to his stomach with just a rope, but he takes the the the, the, the outfit off because it's too hot. It's too too hot out there. It's a summer. And Scarlett Hansen got a what were we at? Oh, we got about five minutes. Okay, excellent. We're this is working out perfectly. Scarlett Johansson has a new movie for A two four, which means also Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Damn it! But it's called Bride. And it's actually her first A24 movie was Under the Skin, because Under the Skin was not released by A24, was it? Was that oh, Annapurna? I think it was Annapurna. There, yeah. there was a point in time where they were almost the same, yeah. and then A24 just launched so far ahead. Because yeah, Anna, <laughs> Annapurna uh, works in a bigger sandbox, so they bigger room for error, and those errors were made. <laughs> it happens. It happens. What are you going to do? Uh, but here we go. This movie, Bride, is about a lady. Who, oh, here we go. Follows a woman created to be an ideal wife, the singular obsession of a brilliant entrepreneur. When she rejects her creator, she is forced to flee her confined existence, confronting a world that sees her as a monster. It is on the run that she finds her true identity, her surprising power, and the strength to remake herself as her own creation. Drew sounds like a 
little ex machina y sort of Lucy ish, kind of a herish, right? Yeah. All these things we've already seen. <laughs> some with her already in it, some not. Uh, I was about to say, Ghost in the Shell Light. Yes. The the echoes, the, the ghosts of Ghost in the Shell continue. Well, no, just, just you know, non cop in action Ghost in the Shell, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they took out the action part. It's like, yeah, what about the identity part? Like, I guess so, yeah. Just read some Nietzsche, I guess, if you want to. Sebastian Lelio is the uh, Chilean director who is making this movie. It's a streaming, will be, obviously, streaming film being on Apple TV. Uh, he is a guy who did, most recently, I think, was uh, a fantastic woman. Okay. Was the, that played at the end of a couple of years ago, actually. I'm, I'm looking forward to a bunch of stuff stacking up on Apple TV so I can get a free month, watch it, and then go back to life. That'll be right when uh, Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon comes out. Yeah, that's going to be a fun month. We're watching a whole bunch of stuff. Because, come on, I can't. I don't have time for all this shit. I can't afford to pay for it all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I cut cable a while ago to save money. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're telling me i got to pay all that money back to different assholes to watch shit? So the same assholes just split up? Fuck well, that. Motherfuckers. If there was only some way we could bundle these things together into one sort of cabled service... Um, Aaron, so you want to go backwards? Aaron Taylor Johnson is joining Bullet Train, the Brad Pitt on a Train assassin movie. No, okay. being done by David Leach. Okay, so um, that's fun. Kick ass. Yeah, it's a kick ass. Exactly. I like kick ass. Yeah, he was just in Tenet. Yeah, and it was great in Tenet. So uh, hopefully, it'll be great in this as well. The last week, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, I sort of lamented the news that the Lion King 2, the live action Lion King 2, was going to be made by Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Like this guy did Moonlight. He did um, the. If Bill Street could talk, he's a great director. I want to see him do more like great work and not just something by the machine. Yeah. Right? So while that's happening, at least there will be something to tide me over in the meantime. I was not aware this was happening, but it. There's already a quick little teaser put out about it. And I'm telling everyone now to keep an eye out for this. It's going to be good stuff. He has a series called The Underground Railroad, which is based on the Colson Whitehead novel, Pulitzer Prize winning novel, which I read earlier this year. And it's great. It's a great book. And he's turned into a series. Barry Jenkins. It's So it's going to be like in a similar style to If Beale Street Could Talk. The score is even done by Nicholas Bertel, who... Uh, one of our newer um, composers look out for in the last few years doing some really really good stuff and basically Underground Railroad is a story of a girl Cora who uh, escapes a plantation and she's on the run um, trying to get north and it's really good and it looks like the first season will be based on I don't know if it's just part of the first season. Like, this whole part where they end up in a South Carolina town, and they're like, oh, no, uh, black people can live here. Uh, like, there's a little loophole that we've all, we're exploiting. We set up a community. You guys get, like, normal jobs, and it's all good. And then it has, like, a real Stepford Housewives. <laughs> like, what's going on? There's something <laughs> there's something Twilight Zone fucked uh, up about this. And then Where's get, the Shyamalan twist? Exactly. <laughs> and then you get there, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I've read about this type of shit. It was fucked up. <laughs> It's good. It's a really well done, really well done book. So I'm looking forward to this show by uh, Barry Jenkins. There it is. Um, already mentioned this story on the James Bond $600 million mm-hmm. price tag. And finally, speaking of price tags, we'll close out with this one. Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes is uh, the queen of Shonda Land, Jersey Cogburn. That's where, uh, if 
they were going to open the Shondaland theme park. You'd have the Grey's Anatomy section where you get on like the elevator, uh, like the the Tower of Terror style, but it goes down to like the ER or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have the uh, the Scandal section where it's like a, a roller coaster ride, but you're roller coastering through uh, like uh, sleeping with the president. Okay, be a lot of fun. And then over there in the in the uh, How to Get Away with Murder oh, land, yeah. you have mm-hmm. that land where it's like you just go and you sit down in the classroom and then you get a lesson, a lecture. I don't watch any of these shows. Neither have I. Yeah. Yeah. I just know the titles. I know that they're very, very popular. <laughs> I, say, I know a lot of people have watched them, but it's not my cup of tea. And according to this Hollywood Reporter article, uh, those shows have made $2 billion in profits for Disney. Uh, made herself tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Drew, she was producing 70 hours of TV annually. That's a lot of fucking TV. That's like three. That's like three separate shows a year. What well, is three shows a year? Seventy hours of TV. Annually. God damn. Going back to fifteen years, she was working with uh, ABC, yeah. which they got bought by Disney. So a lot of time with this company, right? It's making them a lot of money, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. This is an interesting little, little story here, where uh, it was time for her to renegotiate her contract with ABC. She was their big money maker, so obviously she wanted a bigger, bigger slice cut of the pie. Yeah, come on, I'm worth it. And obviously they were fighting back, pushing back, trying to save themselves some money because they're corporation greedy idiots. So she said, "Here's the here's the camel, camel's back breaking happens with this particular straw." Like got really really went backwards around. Uh-huh. That one. Um, here we go. Breaking point. As partner for ABC relationship, she had been given an all inclusive pass to Disneyland. Okay. Okay. And she didn't have a partner, so she negotiated a second pass for her nanny. So okay. she has two passes. So one day, she needed a pass for her sister because she would be taking Rhymes' daughter. So she needed passes for her sister and her daughter uh, to go, plus the nanny already had one. So they just needed, like, an extra pass. Um, after some unwanted back and forth with executives... We never do this. She was told more than once. She was issued an additional pass. Remember, this is just a no. Disneyland. No. Okay, two billion dollars in profits. No. Okay, uh, you can't fork over a fucking ticket. Right, right. When her daughters arrived in Anaheim, only one of the passes worked. So Shonda Rhimes called a high-ranking executive at the company to try to get everything sorted out. The executive allegedly replied, "Don't you have enough?" Ooh, Shonda Rhimes thanked him for his time, hung up the phone, and then called her lawyer, telling him, figure out a way to get her over to Netflix, or she would find new representatives. That's how... Either you find out a way, or I'll find somebody who will. That, maybe two months later, she, they announced a gigantic multi-million dollar deal signed with Netflix to sign exclusive Netflix rights. Uh, following her, she kicked down the door. Following her was... Uh, Ryan Murphy leaving Fox, signed a huge deal with Netflix, so on and so forth. And now all these uh, showrunners and TV producers were leaving for the streaming world, leaving the, mm-hmm. the big networks. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't know the value of what you have. No, exactly. And yeah. you decide a Disneyland ticket is not worth it for whatever. What the fuck? It's she, not, she's yeah. made you $2 billion. You can't fork over a single day pass, a what, to, one your, day pass. to your shitty fucking... Not even, crap. It's not even Disney World. Yeah. Disneyland. Disneyland. Disneyland fits in the Magic Kingdom parking lot, motherfuckers. Disneyland. Stupid. Now she's at Netflix. Yep. So that's well, what you get. Hopefully, I mean, if Disney's smart, somebody got fired. 
Yeah. Hopefully, at least now, there were someone at Disney's reading about this now, and it's like, oh, God damn it. That's all, that's all find, it was. Find it was me over this a fucking ticket. Find <laughs> me this person. Yes, who, who made this decision? Who did this call go to? You know they can figure that out. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Sucks to be that guy. I'm assuming it's a guy, because that's a stupid, stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. And there we go. That's the end of the episode. So thank you, everyone, for nothing. This is free. We gave it to you. You are welcome. Truth Chicago. Thank you. You're welcome, Chris. And uh, sign up for Patreon.com slash Chris. So that's where the real thanks goes. And that is it. We are done. We are out of here. We have stuff to do. We'll be back next week with 408. Ain't it great? It's the Halloween episode. Spooky. Actually, no. It's the day after Halloween. It's the Day of the Dead episode. Okay. Actually, no, it's a day before Day of the Dead. It's the, uh, it's a, just, it's just another episode. There we go. <laughs> Damn it. A PFT Media Production.